Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt speaks with Alexis Brown of the metal and hard rock group Straight Line Stitch. As of today, they'll be celebrating the release of their new EP, Transparency. They'll also be wrapping up their West Coast tour, and will now be headed east for the remainder of the summer. Matt and Alexis chat about how she started singing from a very young age, and how she wasn't always a rock singer. She also discusses her tour life, and the social makeup of the touring band mentality. The first single on the EP is called Human Bondage which was also accompanied by a video shoot. Hear about how that experience went down and plenty more with Matt Storm and Alexis Brown. Alexis, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today for my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm very thankful to know Shauna. She's delightful and has uh, been able to introduce me to a lot of wonderful bands and acts. And uh, when she sent out the email for Transparency, the new EP you guys are putting out, I was like, I want to talk to this band. Do what it takes. Oh, Shauna is a blessing. I love Shauna. She works hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely does. Um, and as a music fan as well as a podcaster, uh, it's it's a great way to get introduced to new music. And I fell in love with the new EP once I heard it. I had not heard of you guys. Of course, for the listeners, this is Alexis of Straight Line Bitch. Um, and uh, their new EP, Transparency, actually will come out the day this episode goes up on the 30th. So that is yeah. fortunate timing. Um, so, um, I had not heard of you guys before, but I really dug the EP and then dig, dug through your backlog afterwards. Um, what, my first question is why an EP this time around? Are you just looking to get music out? You didn't really have a full album ready yet? Or was this always supposed to be a short kind of, uh, EP record before doing a full length? Um, actually we have been writing for a while and we just decided, you know, um, it had been four years since we had released any new music, and our fans were just like, please give us something, like, and we just decided that it would be better, you know, for us to release an EP rather than just, like, out of the blue, get our fans in the head with a big old full-length album. We felt it made, it would make more sense just to release, you know, just a sampler, you know, and kind of test the waters to see, if people would even be interested, you know? Sure, yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, and what I really love about your sound as a band is you remind me of a lot of bands that I listened to back in the 2000s that kind of, there were a lot of bands that, that had vocalists who did a lot of screaming but didn't really do much singing. And I always liked when there was a balance of both. And you're, what's really great, gorgeous, and versatile about your voice is that you do both. Like, you can do that aggressive in-your-face screaming with passion, but you also have a beautiful melody and melodic voice, too. Um, Thank you. I try. <laughs> um, who were your earliest influences for singing? Have you always been singing since you were younger, or is this something you started doing late? Oh, no, no, no. I've been singing since I can remember. Um, I've been singing since I... I think ever since I came out, I was singing, screaming my head off. I know. I really just wanted to sing 
um, I, I officially started singing R&B. That was where my heart was. I wanted to be an R&B singer. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really work out. Um, I felt I could relate more to my brother's music, which he was into, like, Pantera, White mm-hmm. Zombie, and Korn. Sure. And Korn was the band that ultimately got me wanting to join and start a band. I wanted to be just like them. I, I emulated Jonathan Davis, and that is until I found my own voice. Um, sure. I just... I knew it was something that I wanted to do, and I just went for it. Awesome. Yeah, Corn is one of those bands that, like, I listen to all varieties of music, but when I got into heavy metal and rock, like, Corn was definitely one of those bands that really brought me into that. And, I mean, they've been around for ages, but Jonathan Davis is one of those singers that has such a specific and unique voice, and nobody really exactly. quite sings like him. And I love unique voices. He's definitely an influence. He was an influence to me, as well as Stevie Nicks. I love Stevie Nicks. I'm a big Fleetwood Mac like, nice. um, fan. Um, I love uh, singers with unique voices because it took me a while to accept my voice because my voice, I feel like I have. I hated my voice for the longest time. I hated that I didn't sound like anybody else. I hated that I couldn't, you know, built like these other amazing singers at the time. And then I started to fall in love with these, unique singers like Brock from 36 Crazy Fist and Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw, all these singers that didn't sound like your normal singers, you know, and they influenced me because their voices are unique, you know, and, I, and I, it makes me embrace my own voice. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's tough when when you are used to hearing something a certain way and then you realize that you not being like what you're used to doesn't make you any worse. It just makes you different. Exactly. Um. So, so you've been singing for a long time. When did uh, Straight Line Stitch come together? How did that band kind of become? How did you guys all meet? Um, well, I was in a band um, in '99, and I think that's when they started their band. They could have started maybe a little bit earlier. I'm not sure, but um, I was in a band from my hometown, and I met Straight Line. We met Straight Line through trading out shows. We became friends. And we started, like, helping each other, like, networking. I would get them shows in my hometown, and they would get us shows in Knoxville. And we just became friends. And when my band started to fall apart, and they wanted to go into a kind of a new direction because I think all their singers did at the time was scream. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked me if I wanted to audition, and I, I ran at the chance because I remember when I first saw them live, I, I said, there's something about this band. Like, I want to be there. I want to be in this band. You know, so I felt a pull, like, right off the bat, but I never said anything. And when they asked me to audition, I just I just packed my bags, and I, I headed to Knoxville, and I didn't look back. That's awesome. And how long ago was that? How long have you been with, with Straight Line Oh, yeah, Stitch? I actually joined it in around 2004, I believe. So it's been a long time. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, yeah, over a decade. Wow. Um, sometimes I forget how much time has passed. Like, I think about, because I'm a... I grew up, and most of my musical development was in the 90s. Like, a lot of bands, both heavy rock and alternative rock, like, that's, that was my focus. And sometimes I forget that that's mo- two to three decades ago, and it's like, that's a long time. I know. When people say decade, I'm just like, wow, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> it makes you feel so old. Right? Um <laughs> I was looking um, at the press release I got for the interview, and I saw that you guys are actually wrapping up a tour. So um, what's it like being out on the road? Who are you guys on tour with? Um, at the moment, we are supporting El Nino um, on uh, the Uncivil, the, sorry, the Civil Unrest Tour. And right now we are actually in West 
Hollywood, California. It's not so hot, but it's hot. Yeah. Um, but tour has been so much fun. We've got to play with like twenty different bands on this on this um, tour because like there was different bands on select dates, and all the bands were different and diverse. And every band was just super nice. You know, we've gotten to play with uh, Sarah and uh, Lydia Can't Breathe. Um, Gabriel on the Apocalypse, so so many different bands, and they're all amazing bands. Just it's been a blessing, really. That's awesome. And um, after the tour's over, because I saw that it's wrapping up in another week or so, do you guys have plans to go back into the studio and start working on a full length, or are you going to kind of ride? I imagine since Transparency is just about to come out, you're going to kind of ride that for a while. I saw that you guys recently released the first single and video for the for the EP. Yes. Um, actually, what we're planning to do, like, literally right after this tour wraps up in a few days, we'll be, like, it'll be running into our headlining tour. We're just oh, gonna, Yeah, we're, we try to stay busy as possible, and we don't have any studio time booked or anything, so, you know, we're not writing or recording at the moment. It's like, what are you doing? You have to be doing something. So we're going to tour probably until um, early August. Oh, great. That's awesome. And uh, do, you, do you know who's coming on the road with you for your headlining tour yet? Um, Actually, we're going to be touring with a band called um, Spades and Blades, and mm-hmm. I believe they're out of California. So oh, cool. looking forward to tour with them. They're, they seem very nice. And I like traveling with new bands. You get to meet new bands and stuff like that. I, I, I hate um, that our scene is so segregated, it seems like. You know, so yeah. very clicky, like it seems like all the bigger bands, major bands or whatever, like tend to stay with the other bigger bands. And I don't see like the com, how do you say it, the camaraderie anymore yeah. really in the scene. You know, everybody kind of just sticks with their own kind. And that kind of sucks because there's like amazing bands out there, amazing musicians, you know, and it's just kind of sad. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. I remember growing up that like, like speaking of corn earlier, when they would headline the family family values family values tour every year, like they would bring bands that I've never heard of, exactly. who are big now, but like the first time I ever heard Lincoln Park or Dead V or Stained, like any of those heavy rockers from the nineties and two thousands, like it was all on that tour before they'd really gotten big and like Exactly. They, and you know what they had that sampler too, like they introduced yeah. Kid Rock and Kidney Thieves with that sampler, like these were bands that nobody had heard of. And it helped them ultimately all these bands and I I feel sad because a lot of bigger bands that could, you know, potentially help the smaller bands really don't, you know. Um with us we play with any and everybody. You know, I'm not trying to like separate our band from anybody else or whatever, but I just know with our band we don't discriminate. We play with anybody, we really don't care. You know, we just we just want to make friends and put our music out. That's all we aim to do, you know. Sure, of course. Um, while you guys are on tour, um, I imagine, obviously, you play and practice music and prepare for the shows. Beyond that, outside of music, do you have any hobbies or things that you like to do to kind of keep you busy while you're out on the road? Um, You know what? At the moment, I'm actually reading. I love to read. I'm actually reading the, um, what's her name? DC, DC Andrews, Faga, mm-hmm. like the Flowers in the Attic, Faga stuff. So I've been reading that, I, I found these, like, old books, like, in a mini mart of all places, like the gas station, and then, like, the old ones, and I was like, I have to get these, I have to get them, so I yeah. love to read, and um, 
<laughs> I try to sleep as much as possible. Sure. <laughs> I imagine yeah, it's a necessity to get a lot of rest uh, before oh, God, each show. Yes. And I've been suffering with an earache. I have an ear infection, so it's kind of made things a little bit harder. So I'm trying to rest to try to knock it out. Oh, that sucks. I imagine, yeah, trying to, like, hear your inner in, inner voice while trying to sing and figure things out must be much harder when you have something like that going on in your ear. Oh, God, it was it's terrible. It's always terrible to have to push through, like, sickness when you're working. Like, yesterday was the worst. We were in Vegas, and I was like, okay, I'm going to power through it. But as soon as I did that first headbang, like, my ears were just, I felt like I was going to have an aneurysm, and my head was just throbbing nonstop. Oh, I didn't. It was so hard, and it it bums me out because you always want to give it your best when you're performing and stuff. Your fans and sure. the crowd they don't deserve any any less than that. And it was so hard for me to do that, and I couldn't just be like, "Look, guys, I have an ear infection. This is killing me." You know, they don't care. They want to. They paid money to see a show, and it's your job to, to give them a show. So it was a little it was a little rough. <laughs> Well, I hope you feel better, and hopefully you get some downtime at least a little bit before the next tour so you can kind of recover. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'll make some time to get some extra duties. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently, within the last couple of weeks, had actually interviewed a few different singers. I got some interesting um, um, opinions on the best way to preserve one's voice. Do you have special tricks that you use, certain things you take, to kind of preserve your voice and keep it from, from blowing it out while singing or to keep it blessed? Um, I definitely, like, the key for me is definitely getting a lot of sleep because it's like that's when you're not talking, you're not doing anything, you're just resting. Your vocal cords have time to regenerate. Um, sure. I also try breathing exercises. Like, I just try to, like, you know, make sure I can, like, I kind of, like, hold my breath and kind of, like, give my lungs power to be able to, like, scream and do things like that. Um, yeah, mostly sleep and breathing exercises. That's That's what keeps me... Keep it on. <laughs> there you go. Um, we were talking a little bit before about your early influences and how you started singing. Um, you said that you started in kind of doing R&B and then realized heavy rock is where you wanted to be. When you were into R&B and trying to emulate that, who were some of the singers that like your go-to R&B singers that you, you enjoyed? Oh, gosh, I love so many singers. Um, Aaliyah was a big influence for me. Uh, Pebbles, I don't know. <laughs> I might really show my age with this one. Pebbles, he's from the 90s. Sure. I, I wanted to be Pebbles. I loved Pebbles back in the day. TLC, Mary J. Blige, like, big, big influences for me at the time. But also, like, you know, um, Tina Marie. I just love Tina Marie. Rest in peace. I thought she's an amazing singer. Sade. Some of the singers that I just, I absolutely just, in, I'm in love with. I think that they're just beyond talented and blessed and stuff. So um, just a whole, I have a whole big slew of, like, R&B singers. I still listen to R&B. I listen to everything, anything that sounds good to me. But those are some of my influences when I was singing R&B for sure. Well, that's, I feel like that's important also to listen to everything. Like, someone who just listens to the genre they perform within, you're kind of limiting yourself. Cause yeah, how you can put yourself you, in the box. Yeah, how can you expand and kind of experiment and mix it up if you're not testing or listening to other stuff? Yeah, and I, I feel like with today's music, with the genre, it's, it's ever-evolving. You have so many genres and sub-genres and things like that. You kind of can't keep yourself in a box. You know, it doesn't really make sense to. 
No, yeah, because if you if you kind of confine yourself to that, you're just going to release the same stale album over and over again. Nobody wants exactly. that. You want to. Nobody wants to do the same thing over and over. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, if there were, so uh, would there ever be a chance that you would go back to try and record an R&B album? And you know, now that you're kind of kind of uh, away from it for a while, and you've been working on rock, would you ever go back to it and try it again? You know, I feel like R&B will always be my root. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when I sing, you know, that's I'm still singing. R and B is a part of my my vo- my vocals, you know, mm-hmm. even like with the EP and stuff. Um, I've never thought about like, you know, plan- making plans to record an R and B album, but you know, I'm not psychic either. You know, I never know. I might just want to do that down the line. I'm 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 not the one that. Um, I'm not the type to try to pigeonhole myself if the opportunity sure. ever did arise. Yeah, I'd probably go for it, you know, because I love music. I love singing. You know, I don't think I'm the super, the bee's knees, you know, or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> but I love to do it, you know. Um, I, I don't I don't have any plans, but, yeah, definitely if the opportunity arise, I would definitely do it. Um, we were talking a bit before about being on tour, tour life. Um, now, I imagine you're performing quite a bit from the new EP as well as some of the older stuff. Um, do you have a favorite song that you perform live, something that's super high energy that really gets you going, or do you kind of just love performing everything? Um, I love performing everything, but definitely my favorite song to play live is Laughing in the Rearview. It's off the Five of Our Lives album, and it just has the, just all the elements of what I, how I love to perform. I mean, it's just one of those songs that's just very hype. It's got great breakdown. It's got just everything in its right place, you know, for a live show. You know, it's mm-hmm. got the moments where you talk to the crowd. It's got that moment when it's just the bass drop hits, and then, you know, it's just, it's got everything. And I love performing it. It just, it hits so well to me. When you guys are working on new music, so you're just coming off of releasing Transparency, which is the newest record, when you're writing music, do you kind of get the music together first and then kind of come up with lyrics to go with it? Or is it the other way around? Or is it kind of a mutual give and take between both? Well, everybody contributes. Um, Usually, like, we're always sending ideas back and forth to one another. You know, maybe I'll sing something and somebody will get an idea off of that. But more than likely, it's always music, guitar riffs thrown back and forth. There's different programs on my my band members' computers to where they just, you know, shoot stuff back and forth. And as soon as we have something solidified, they throw it to me. And then I go by myself, and then I start writing lyrics to it. Um, and when when you're writing, has it have you ever kind of started to put lyrics together that just didn't fit right? And, like, do you have lyrics that you've written that you haven't actually put to a song yet? or that just didn't fit right, or do you kind of find a way to make it work to, oh, to get gosh. all that content together? I have lyrics that are sitting that I haven't used um, because it's it's crazy, but when I write and I listen to the music, it's not something I can really just throw stuff into because I have lyrics, you know, that I'll sit by myself and I write lyrics and then I try to fill it in. And sometimes the music just will not allow me to do that. Sometimes the music will dictate what I write. I'll listen to it, and I'll start forming melodies, and then words will start coming. And it's just crazy. It's just like how it just tells a story. It's like I don't plan on singing about a certain topic. It'll just come out. It's almost like the music just pulls it out of me. 
Mm-hmm. And is there, if, if you had to say, would there be a specific topic or, or item or person that you've ever written about that made, like, was the hardest thing to write about, but you felt cathartic afterwards? Um, I always write about life. And I always mm-hmm. write about my, I write about things that happen to me, things that I deal with on a daily basis. But I try to write it to where it's universal. Because, mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody goes through hard, hard times. You know, um, I definitely try to write and use the format of, you know, if I'm going to write about, you know, going through trials and tribulations, I'm definitely going to write about getting out of it and being able to pick myself up. I'm not going to write about, you know, just being so beat down and that's nothing I can do about it, you know. I want to inspire people, you know. I want to inspire people that, you know, even when things look hopeless and and bleak, that it's not, you know. You just keep, you just have to keep moving towards the light. It doesn't matter how small that light may be. It may be a pinhole of a light, you know, but you just follow that light and eventually, you know, it'll pull you out of the darkness. And that's basically what, transparency is the ep is me writing to pick myself up because during that time anything that could go wrong did go wrong there were so many things that happened we experienced death we experienced loss of members drama you know and we did the album with you know basically no help no management no no label so we went from a cushy support system to literally nothing you know, so I definitely put all that into the album, my thoughts, my feelings and stuff. And um, I feel like, you know, it was at the lowest points of my life, you know, but still I was able to say it's, it's not the end. It, it cannot be the end. And I just hope that resonates with people. I think it's important to do that. I feel like a lot of, especially rock music, is written in a way has always been written in a way where when it's depressing music, it's just in that depression. It doesn't really evolve or get out of it. it. It's written by a lot. I mean, some of the most famous rock bands right within this darkness and kind of don't pull themselves out. So to have a light at the end of the tunnel is really important, especially for people who might be listening and who like the heavy music might be yeah. in a place. And, and that kind of guidance is important. And especially for our youth. You know what sure. I mean? The last thing I want to do is you know, when there's a lot of kids that might pick up our album, listen to our album, you know, I would never want to, you know, influence a uh, a younger child into destruction. You know, I would always sure. try to, you know, say words of encouragement. And, yeah, our, our music is aggressive, but there is always an underlying message in our music, you know, don't give up, keep pushing, keep fighting. You know, this is what this band has been about. It's been about the fight and stuff and, you know, not to give up on yourself. So, you know, I would definitely inspire that in, in our youth and stuff. You have to have something positive to, to to tell people, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you know, you want to, you want to be, I imagine also the position that you're in with a band and you have a microphone, so you have an audience to be able to kind of guide them and give them guidance so they don't feel lost or left out, giving them that help right. they need. Because I feel like that's important, especially in, in rock music. You know, a lot of people go to music to relate and to kind of get through. And so to have that message is super important. Yeah, I definitely want, and you know, I try, you know, I'm not, the last thing I would tell anybody that's like, you know, a fan of our music or a fan of me, you know, that they might want to model themselves after me, you know, I would tell them, you know, I don't look to be put on the pedal stool. You know, I put music out because I enjoy putting music out. And, you know, um, but I definitely would encourage, 
you know, them to follow their own voice, you know. Um, there's something special about them, you know. It's like there's so many of us we're always looking, and I'm I'm guilty of this too, we're always looking in somebody else's backyard, looking up at somebody else, you know, when we have everything we need in our own, in our own yard, you know? Sure. Um, my next question is back to talking about touring. Have you guys had any crazy or strange experiences while out on the road, just odd things that have happened? You know, we've had a lot of crazy experiences happen out on the road. I think every time I get asked a question, something would happen, and then I would just forget it. I don't know if I just, like, block it out of my memory or <laughs> what. Every time I get the question, I'm just like, dang it, I know something just crazy happened the other day, but I guess I must have blocked it out because I sure don't remember. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good sign that the tour's going well, that no matter what crazy thing happens, you're still – moving forward and it's not keeping you from doing what you need to do exactly. on tour. Exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, it's not what people think it is. You know, being a, this, the title of a rock star is just that. It's just a stupid title. It's, it's, to me, it's a myth. It, just, it, it doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's going out here and being authentic and being who you are and you know, it's a job. It is a job. You know, you have to give 100% every day. It's not about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which a lot of people are fooled into thinking that's what it's about, and it's not. It's so far from that. It's just you have to go out and give it your best every day. Yeah, it's not the same. The days of, like, the 80s and blowing blowing yourself out on substances and misuse of your own body is not a thing, you know, a thriving artist can really do these days. You kind of got to Oh, no, 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 no. You got to be a little bit more responsible in today's society <laughs> if you want to have a career. <laughs> um, we talked briefly a little bit before about the new single from the EP, Human Bondage, which is also a brand new music video. Um, what was it like shooting that music video? Was it something that was kind of done all in one day or did it take some time to kind of get all the shots? It took a couple of days, and it was, um, in a couple of words, it was stressful, very stressful, and then liberating and exciting and exhilarating all at the same time. And it was all those emotions because we had to do it ourselves. Like, mm -hmm. beforehand, all our other videos, we had management that also did all our videos. So all we had to do was just show up and just, you know, okay, this is what we're doing. We didn't even have a part in the treatment. You know, he would tell us, this is what the treatment's going to be, and we say, okay, and show up wherever we needed to be on location and get it done in one day. But this video, um, we worked with Jeremy Williams, who actually did our Never See the Day video, and a good friend of mine, and I came to him with the song, and my brother had, like, he, we listened to the song, and he actually came up with, like, an idea and we kind of collaborated on treatment, and I threw it to Jeremy, to Jeremy, and he just kind of ran with it. But, um, yeah, I uh, just went to him, and he's just such a trooper, man. He's great, great director, got a vision. Um, and I actually sat on the video as producer, which is a hat I've never worn before. So mm -hmm. it was very... Um, it was exhilarating, but, yeah, it was stressful because I had to be accountable and responsible for a lot of things, making sure things happened and, you know, um, we got everything we needed. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It, it was worth it at the end of the day. And it's one of those videos, like, I, I've always enjoyed the kind of 
video where you get a good sense of narrative, but also get a really great performance shot of the band. And it just, it, it looked very, like after watching that one video, I hadn't seen any of the other music videos. I'd only heard the EP and I was like, okay, I get what this band is about. Like this really represents, I think, what, what you guys are as a band and kind of the the way you're trying to impact music. And it really shines through in the video. I think it was a very clear picture, you know, which is always Thank great. You. Well, we were trying to, we had done so many times, so many performance videos with no storyline or, you know, we did videos and I didn't even know sometimes what, what it was about, you know? Um, and this time, you know, this, you know, the songs, they have a message, they have meaning behind them, you know? So it was nice to be able to, like, create that story around it, you know. Um, human bondage is definitely about, you know, um, I'm not I'm not any type of angel or any saint. You know, I've done things probably not always the right way, but, you know, I've just wanted to be forgiven. But I'm going to the wrong people for forgiveness, you know, and I just keep going to these immovable people that just are not going to forgive me they're just going to stay the way they are. They're going to hold a grudge until they die, you know, and I can't let that poison my life like I have, you know. I have to be able to forgive myself, go to God, and have him forgive me, and just move on with my life because ultimately these people are moving on with their life. They're not losing any sleep over me, wanting forgiveness from them, you know. So it's just about learning to let go of things and 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 moving on, you know. Which I think is important. You know, a lot of people, I know myself personally, if I do wrong by someone, I kind of take it very hard on myself and blame exactly. myself. And it's, it's not healthy. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it's something, it's, and you have to be careful because it's something, for for me, it was something that was eating me alive for years. You know, like I said, we hadn't released any new music, you know, in years. And I had all this stuff bottled up. We 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 were still working, we're still touring and stuff, but we hadn't released anything new. So it was just sort of frustrating to have all this that I wanted to say, and it was still just sitting there, just stewing. You know, I just needed to get it out. And the EP just finally came along with a way to get it out. <laughs> sure. And it must feel better knowing that, A, you were able to get this down on paper and get it out, but also now you can perform it and deliver it to people who you know will benefit from it as well and who will enjoy it. Exactly. Yes, it was definitely a freeing, releasing experience. That's great. Monumental for us, really. <laughs> um, so we're talking a little bit about tour again, and you're going out on another tour coming up. Um, do you have a dream location that you wish to perform overseas or in the States? Is there like a place that you really want to go that you haven't been yet? Oh, gosh, there's so many places. I definitely want to go to Asia. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. We did, um, we played the U.K. We played Down Low Festival a few years back and then went back over and played with uh, Lacuna Coil. We did, like, a, a tour, a month-long tour with them. We hit the Netherlands and Amsterdam, which were all the places I really want to go back to, Ireland. Um, so much fun, you know. Um <laughs> I love being out of the country. You know, it's just another culture, you know. Um, sure. Definitely love to play Hawaii because we've never played it. That's that's here. <laughs> but we've never played it, you know. So it would be a dream place to play. Um, and, uh, just, the, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, with the new tour coming up that you're going out on, uh, you know, till the end of August, um, do you know where you're hitting, whether it's going to be East Coast, West Coast, what the destinations are? 
East Coast, I believe. We're oh, heading back over to East Coast. Yeah, we're we're probably this tour in West Coast, California area, and then we're going to be making our way back to the East Coast. So we'll be traveling back home. Well, if you make it to New York, it's where I'm located. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. You'll have to let me know so I can come out and see you guys. Oh, yeah, we love that. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'd love to meet you in person. That would be excellent and get to meet the rest of the band as well. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, because, like, I always love – like, that's one of my favorite things about doing what I do and having my website and doing these interviews is I get to talk to really talented and great people. And then when they come around on tours, they inevitably do – then I can talk to them in person. Um, Sean has sent me over with a, a bunch of wonderful artists from Pavement who have been uh, awesome on the podcast. And it's just, it's been a wealth of music knowledge and new bands and just great experiences. It's always fun to get inside an artist's head, you know, and people love to know bands that they, they obsess over, bands that they're really into, what, what they're like and what they think about and how they started, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, I guess, kind of, see how bands live, you know, they don't really get to experience it. So they want to know what all goes in. How do you, how do you do this every day? You know, I get it for sure. Um, so you're obviously a heavy touring band and it sounds like music is definitely the main thing that you do. Is it, are you all in on music? Do you still have a day job or just you're touring focused musician? Touring, 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 touring. That's my job. Um, uh, though sometimes, like, when we are not touring, I will find, like, something to do. Uh, I'll, uh, for a while, I was working at a yearbook factory and stuff, so I usually do that sometimes. And that only, it's like a temporary job, sure. so I have some type of income or whatever. But mostly, like, this is my job. Touring, this band is my job. <laughs> it's a full-time job, too. Sure, I'm sure. And it sounds like it's it's going very well and can only go up from here. Oh, I um, sure hope so. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to ask is uh, what I like to ask a lot of singers is um, everyone has their influences and people that they were really affected by. If you could pick one artist to do a duet with, any artist across any genre, live or dead, who would be that, that artist that you'd want to do a duet with? Stevie Nicks. Wow, you didn't even have to think about that. You had that Nick? name on deck. It was already there, already there. That's I would love to sing with her. I mean, I just I love her. I mean, the Rumors album, the Fleetwood Mac album, that Rumors, is is did something to me, changed my life. Uh, I love her. I just I love everything about her. I love to sing with Stevie Nicks. That would be a dream come true. I always sing her songs when we do karaoke. They make <laughs> me sing her songs. <laughs> my band does. <laughs> Well, Fleetwood Mac is one of those bands also that kind of changed the landscape of rock and roll, you know. They really there was, did. There was nobody like them, especially like uh, especially someone like Stevie Nicks. There was really no singer like her then or really since. She was such a unique voice, you know. And that's what inspires me, you know. That gives me hope because she was so unique, but she was still embraced, you know. Sure. And it's, I'm, I'm always... You know, there can be bands, and especially in the metal and heavy metal and hardcore scenes that kind of feel like a dime a dozen that don't really stand out. So it was another reason why I reached out to Sean about interviewing you, because your sound is just so unique to you guys, and it's nice to hear that, especially in a, a genre. Like, I've been listening to some music my whole life, but, you know, the heavy bands of the 2000s, like you're disturbed, Godsmacks and and Breaking Benjamin and those kind of bands, and even the heavier ones, 
they kind of, a lot of them have fallen off. Like they still put out stuff, but they just kind of haven't really changed or evolved or done anything. So when I hear something in the realm of rock that just is different and powerful and engaging, I always latch onto it because it's nice to hear someone kind of changing the landscape. Well, thank you. We try, you know, definitely we are that type of band. We're definitely trying to break the surface. We've been an underground band for a while, you know, definitely talked about the decades and stuff. So, and obviously we're still here, you know, we're, we're still putting forth the effort and hopefully someday, someday soon, you know, we'll break surface and maybe, you know, people will really, you know, hear what you hear, you know? Sure. Well, and I think you're, you've got the right attitude and ethic talking about how it's unfortunate that a lot of bands in the genre, there's not that camaraderie that might be in other scenes but you're going out of your way to get to know the bands that you tour with, the bands that you need venues. And I think like in the, in a world of media and social media and, and that kind of having to market yourself like a company, making those one-on-one connections are super important because the word of mouth is probably the best way, you know? Exactly. And, you know, I, people fail to think or, or think about, you know, these bands that are huge today, you know, these bands that are massive, they were once local bands too. You know, everybody sure. starts off being a local band, you know. Nobody, I don't, well, some people, maybe they make it overnight, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could say that. <laughs> I feel like that's, nobody really makes it overnight. It just seems like it's overnight to those people who didn't know them. But they still had to work for it, too. They I'm still sure. have to work. Exactly. Exactly. So you were saying before that um, that you and your band currently are from Knoxville. Is that correct? Um. Well, the band is definitely based in Knoxville, but with, the many members that we've had over the years we've kind of held from everywhere. Um, right now, the band is based in Tennessee, has its roots in Knoxville, but we no longer live in Knoxville. We have some members that are um, from St. Louis, Missouri, and, uh, of course, I'm from my hometown, Clarksville, Tennessee. My guitarist is from Georgia. You know, so we're kind of everywhere, but Straight Line is definitely it's still Tennessee-based, roots in Knoxville. And have you always lived in Tennessee? Is that where you grew up? No. Um, actually, my family's military. Um, I was actually raised in California. I was born in Augusta. And uh, I've kind of been here and there, you know, um, eventually getting dropped off in Tennessee by my, my stepfather. He kind of left us there. And mm-hmm. uh, ever since, that's just been my home. And is there a strong music scene in Tennessee? You know, it's weird. I, I don't know if I'm home enough to really see if there's a, a scene there. I like to believe that it is, you know, but we travel so much away from home. I'm I'm so unsure, which is kind of terrible, but we try <laughs> to just be out and about all the time. I try to We try to stay away from home as far as, like, working, you know. We just try to be out away from home, you know. Sure. I guess that's that's part of what you were saying earlier, the tour life and constantly being busy and touring. It's, you get an exactly. idea of scenes everywhere and kind of just go where the music is. Yeah, and I'm not sure about the scene in Tennessee. It's, I don't think it's, well, it, way in the day it was thriving. I'm not, I'm unsure now, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I could be wrong. That's okay. I won't hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, um, Alexis. I'm looking forward to I seeing you that. guys 
on the East Coast if you come around. I'll stay in touch with Shauna. Hopefully, we can come out and see you guys. Um, before before we wrap up, I just wanted to know if there's anything else you're looking to plug. Obviously, the album Transparency is coming out on June 30th, but anything else you want to plug for the band, upcoming dates for shows and stuff like that? Um, the only thing I the only other thing I want to say is I just want to thank our fans, new and old. Any anybody that supports this band, it's it's kept us here. It's kept us doing this. I mean, so many so many times we just thought about throwing in the towel and just being like, you know what, I don't even know if this is too much hell. But um, you know, it's ultimately the fans that maybe sent, you know, a message to me saying, you know, never stop doing what you're doing and they would have no idea what was going on, you know. Sure. But I would get that just in time to keep me okay. Let's give it another shot, you know. So I uh, just want to say to all our fans, I, we love you more than words could ever express, um, and we thank you, and we're so grateful. And um, as long as, you know, our fans keep listening and keep supporting, we're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on keeping on. So, um, yeah, and I just want to thank, you know, anybody that's like, I think, are, is this a radio or magazine? So Have it'll you, be... So the interview will be a podcast. It'll go up on podcast. our website and on our on iTunes the same day that the album comes out. Okay, yeah. Well, then in that case, I, I just want to thank your listeners as well. And thank you for just giving us the benefit of the doubt and the, your time and to do this interview. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I mean, I always, you know, there there are tons of bands out there that get plenty of press and, and enough, enough notice on their own, but, you know, kind of Crash Chords model for finding music and, and listening to music and reviewing music is we want to, we want to, we, we look at the bigger bands too, but we want to find the smaller bands, the nichier bands that don't necessarily have the audience yet because they deserve to be heard too. And anything I can do to help a band I like, that I think is talented, I'm happy to do it because there needs to be more talented artists out there and less garbage. <laughs> and you know what? You have no idea how much we appreciate that. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure, Alexis, and uh, look me up if you're ever in New York. Will do, A, and keep my number. I absolutely will. Hold on to mine, too. Thanks, Alexis. I'll talk to you thank later. Thank you, Matt. You take care. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.